open your Bibles with me to get two spots, get Daniel chapter 9 and Ezekiel chapter 38. Daniel chapter 9 and Ezekiel chapter 38. I uh, was just, I, I, I can't help but think about our men who serve in the military, whether full-time or in the reserves, with everything that's going on in the world. It's a, it's a crazy time. And with Iran attacking some of our soldiers in, um, in, on the, the border of Syria and Jordan, it, it's, it's the potential for a lot of trouble. I think there were something like, I don't remember, 180 attacks or something before they killed somebody. It, it was bound to happen. Um, so, obviously, the neocons, those who are trying to form the world in the image of George Bush, they, uh, they want us to go to war again. Guys like Bill Crystal and the National Review and the, you know, kind of the, the Clinton-Bush wing of the, the, the Clinton-Bush-Romney, uh, uh, who's, who's the guy from the Senate Majority Leader, Mitchell uh, McConnell. That wing of the Republican Party, along with those in the Democrat Party, that are pro-war, um, there really is this drumbeat now, war, 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 war. And what we need to know is if we go to war with Iran, what that could trigger, what that could trigger. And let me be very clear at the outset, we are not pacifists here. But neither are we for non-stop war around the world. There's nothing Christian about going and killing people in Jesus' name. There's nothing Christian about that. And yet, if we're attacked, I'm very thankful that, you know, how many of you saw that Toby Keith died this past week? That one song that he does, American Soldier, um, you, go ahead and sleep. You go ahead and sleep. Because we're ready if the wolf howls at the door. How many of you are thankful that we have a military that is ready? But here's the problem. We're not ready for every conflict in the, in, on earth. We can't do that. No one can do that. And we shouldn't do that. Amen? We shouldn't do that. So you're saying, Pastor, we didn't come to church today to hear your political views. Well, I believe everything I've just said is just basic Christianity. <laughs> Don't mean to cause Christianity to intrude on your politics, but uh, we are Christians. Amen. It's just who we are. We're supposed to. We're, we are supposed to be followers of the Prince of Peace, and Jesus Christ will ultimately return and bring peace to the earth. Until then, there's going to be a sword. And the Bible says that God has given government the sword. And, and they're, they're ministers of righteousness, the Bible says. And they are to be a terror to evildoers. It, it, it's like the head of the Marine Corps years ago said, the Marines can be your best friends or your worst enemy. Your best friends, your worst enemy. I was in a meeting one time and uh, some a, a guy came up. He was from the Marine Corps and he started talking and... Then someone from the Navy got up and said, well, you know, the 
Marines are a department of the Navy. And the Marines stood up just like that and said, yeah, the men's department. <laughs> that was hilarious. I'm very thankful that we have our military. But we need to understand that there is a biblical model for what's coming in the future with these nations. God's not taken surprised by any of it. And so we're going to go through the scriptures this morning, and we're going to try and define some of these players. And I hope that some of our leaders will understand what they could be kicking off if we go to war over there. We need to understand it. So let's take a look at some of these things today. Start with me in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 1. I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 1. Ezekiel 38 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me. Now, I want you to think about something as we read this. This was written 2,700 years ago. Almost 2,700 years ago. Saying, verse 2, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, and all of them handling swords. Then look at what it says in verse 5. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarmah of the north quarters, and all his bands and many people with thee. Be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited, in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. Thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Look at what it says in verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, thus saith the Lord God, in that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. 
It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, and the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. When it says there in verse, uh, at the end of verse 16, where it says, middle of verse 16, and thou shalt come up against my people as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days I will bring thee against my land and the heathen, that the heathen may know me. All through the book of Ezekiel, that you'll know that I am the Lord, that you'll know that I am God. All of these things are going to happen and prove that he is God. It starts in chapter 36 where God begins to revive the nation of Israel that was not a nation. In chapter 37, you have that valley of dry bones where the, these, these bones come to life and they take on sinews and skin and they come to life, but there's no spirit in them. And that's what has happened with the nation of Israel. We do have a reconstituted nation of Israel. This is a nation that was not and it became a nation again in 1948. So this prophecy could not have been fulfilled, the, profo- the prophecy of chapter 38. It could not come to pass until Israel had become a nation again, and now Israel is a nation again, and so that this can happen. Let's start going through some of this information. We're going to break down who are these people and how can we know. So I want you to see this. This is It's hard to see it. I thought my font would be bigger. But this is a news article from Iran International, all right, a newspaper. This is from November 19th of 2023. Iranian president or Iranian president repeats calls for rapid end to Israel. He said Sunday, I quote, I hope that God will liberate Palestine as soon as possible and we witness the final moments of Israel's existence and celebrate its end. That's what Iran's goal for Israel is that it ceases to exist. What would it take for Israel to cease to exist? You'd have to kill the Jews. Hold your place in Ezekiel 38. Go to Daniel chapter 9. So go towards the New Testament, just a couple of books. Look at what it says in verse 20, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 20. So there are three segments of the Babylonian captivity. So the the, the first segment, Daniel is taken. The second captivity, Ezekiel is taken. And then there's the third captivity. So Daniel, listen to what he writes in verse 20. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel... And presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. So he's praying this from Babylon. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, so this is the angel Gabriel, the same one that announced Jesus' birth, the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me, And talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter, 
and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now, why is he saying, I came to you swiftly? Because earlier, when Daniel had prayed, the Lord sent Gabriel to bring him his answer, but someone hindered him. A being stopped Gabriel from being able to bring that message. He's called the Prince of Persia. The Prince of Persia. This is not the Disney movie. This Prince of Persia is a satanic being installed by Satan over that region. And there's there's a Prince of Greece. There's So remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness in high places. These principalities, one of those principalities is ruled by a prince, the prince of Egypt. That prince, I'm sorry, the prince of Persia. That prince of Persia is a satanic being whose purpose is to destroy God's people and to hinder God's purposes. That's who this prince of Persia is. So when this leader, this president of Iran, calls for the destruction of Israel, all that we can all that we can surmise is that he is a representative of Satan and of Satan's representative, this prince of Persia, this satanic cult that is in that region. So Allah is not Jehovah God. Allah has 99 different titles. Many of those titles are the equivalent of Lucifer. How many of you remember Salman Rushdie? There was a fatwa pronounced against him by Islam because he wrote a book called Satanic Verses. How many of you remember that? Didn't they ultimately kill him? Didn't a Muslim kill him just recently? I'm pretty sure. So Salman Rushdie why why is it called satanic verses because he is identifying these portions of the Quran that that identify with Satan and with Lucifer so it's important that we understand that Islam it is not a religion of peace Islam is a satanic cult and their number one goal is the destruction of God's people Israel that that's that's the foundation of that faith. And so when we see in Iran, the president of Iran calling for the death of Israel, when evil rulers threaten Israel, we should believe them. When satanic rulers threaten the Jews, we should believe them. Who are you immediately thinking of here? Adolf Hitler. When they say they're going to do it, you must believe them. So where does Iran fit in that? I want you to think about something. World, This is from Israel News. World Jewish population totals 15.2 million, nearly half in Israel. But look at the subtitle there. The number of Jews globally is still some 1.4 million fewer than on the eve of World War II in 1939. So if today the population, the number of Jews are 15.2 million in 1939, there were more than 16 million. The Jewish population has yet not recovered from the Holocaust. This doesn't include how they would have grown had those people lived. 
when evil rulers call for the destruction of Israel, we need to believe them. And we have some of those evil rulers even in our own government. So where are we in time? Does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us in Daniel 9, and the Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 38. So we have a timeline that the Bible has given us. Go back to Daniel chapter 9, and let's look at it. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So Jesus Christ came, and here on our chart, we have these 69 weeks. See that? 69 weeks in the chart. Let's see where that comes from. So verse 24, 70 weeks are determined. Verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. So that's 69 weeks. And we know from the way the, the verses are used in the text, comparing scripture with scripture, that these are weeks of years. There's this heptatic structure in the Old Testament, sevens. Seven this, seven this, seven this, seven this. And so there are weeks of years that are talked about. So there are 69 weeks. And so from the call to rebuild the walls, it was exactly 483 years until Jesus Christ's triumphal entry. We celebrate on Palm Sunday. That's what happened when Jesus Christ came. It's the exact date. The exact calendar date that was prophesied here is the day of Jesus Christ's triumphal entry. So here on our chart, we have the 69 weeks. Then you see the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross in 33 AD. But how many of you are glad he didn't stay dead? That's the foundation of our faith. And that launched the church age. So on, these, on Daniel's 70 weeks, there were 69 weeks. And then there's an interval that is the church age. We don't know how long that is. We don't know how long the church era will last, this church age. But there is something that's coming. The next thing that happens is the rapture of the church. Keep your place here in Daniel chapter 9. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. By the way, there are Bibles under the chairs in front of you, if you want to follow along with us. That you, that you, so, but brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So the next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. Now, if you are not born again, what does it mean to be born again? Remember, Jesus said you must be born again. What does it mean to be born again? And so when Jesus said that to the religious leader, he said, can I enter again into my mother's womb? Now, ladies, how many of you are glad that's not what it takes to be born again, right? So what does it mean to be born again? 
It means that you are made a new creature. How? You acknowledge that you're a sinner and that there's a penalty for sin, and that penalty is death and hell. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You, you receive salvation as a gift. First John chapter 5 says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. It's a gift, for by grace are you saved, by faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So being born again would be like this. Come on up here, Simon. Peach man. All right, or orange, whatever color that is. So, I got my pen. This is my Pelican Stressamond 805 fountain pen. It's crazy, I know. So, let's say I want to make a gift to you. What do you have to do to make it yours? Just take it. Now, in order to keep it, you've got to wash my car every week for the next 20 years. Well, why'd you give it back? Not a gift. Because it's not a gift. You know, I used to say 10 years. How many of you have noticed that? But then I got nicer pens. So, we have to <laughs> take it away Inflation, that's right. So you gave it back because it's not a gift, because you can't work for a gift. Thank you. The wages of sin is death. What you get for what you do, a wage is what you get for what you do. And what you get for sinning is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you will just acknowledge him as your Savior, say, Jesus, I can't save myself. I believe that you're God. You died on the cross to pay for my sin. Going to church won't save me. Getting baptized won't save me. Being a good person won't save me. Only you can save me. Please, Lord, have mercy on me and save me. If you'll do that, do you know what he does? He takes out your heart of stone, puts in a heart of flesh, and he saves you. He saves you. That heart of stone and heart of flesh, that's Ezekiel chapter 37, right before our text. That's what he's going to do for Israel, and that's what he'll do for you individually. He wants to make you a new creature. When you are born again, when Jesus Christ returns, you will be taken out in that rapture of the church with him. You will be taken out. So then what happens? Oh, when could it be? Today? The Bible says in an hour in which you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, I know that's talking about the second coming, but the rapture is imminent. It could happen at any moment. So what happens then is a seven-year tribulation period. A seven-year tribulation period. Look at Matthew chapter 24. All right, Matthew chapter 24, the Bible says in verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Why are they showing Jesus the buildings? That's weird. All right, let's just keep going. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you that there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat down upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? 
So two parts, his coming is the rapture, the end of the world is the second coming. All right? So he goes on and describes it, verse 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor shall ever be. So there's a seven-year tribulation period. Where do we get the seven years from? All right, so put your ribbon here in Matthew 24. Go back to Daniel 9. Daniel 9 and verse 26. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. So that's the 69 weeks. Messiah is cut off. Right there, you can see it on our chart. Then you have this church age. And then, after the rapture, now we're back to that next period. So, verse 26 again of Daniel 9, And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the end of the war. Look at what it says. Desolations are determined. Verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. All right, so that one week, we have 69 weeks, then Messiah's cut off. Then you have the church age. Now there's one more week of years. That's seven years. That's the tribulation period. That's that seven-year tribulation period. But if we keep reading, there's something else that happens. Look at what it says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. We're going to see this morning why he needs to make a covenant with them. Okay? But look at what it says, verse 27 again, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. So what does that mean? Well, that means that there has to be a rebuilt temple. In order for the sacrifices to be, have started again in Jerusalem, there has to be a temple. The tribulation period is divided into two sections. Notice on our chart again that we have here the tribulation and over here, the great tribulation, they're each three and a half years. Look at back at your Bible in verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There's your seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. That's the middle of the three and a half years. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. All right? So Jesus calls that the abomination of desolation. So this abomination of desolation is mentioned here in Daniel chapter 9. It's mentioned in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus Christ talks about that. And then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But go with me. Keep your place here in Daniel. Keep your ribbon there. Go back to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And then look at verse 15. When ye therefore, this is Jesus speaking again, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Why? Because the Antichrist is about to start killing the Jews. So what we have in our timeline is we have to see, we have the rapture is next, then the seven-year tribulation period. There is a covenant made for seven years. 
Halfway through the covenant, the Antichrist breaks it by setting up his idol in the Holy of Holies in the temple, and that brings about the Great Tribulation. Then comes the second coming. At the end of these seven years, Jesus Christ returns to the earth to establish his kingdom. Right before that, we have this battle of Armageddon that ends. The, we, we have the battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation, and that's Zechariah 14. I put Revelation 20 here. This happens at the end. The Revelation 20 battle happens all the way at the end of the 1,000 years when Satan is loosed. All right? So we're not going to go through that timeline right now. But there's something very important that happens at the beginning of the tribulation. And we see it here on our chart. It's Ezekiel 38 and 39. This is the Magog invasion of Israel. And we're going to look at that for the rest of our time together. So one of the things we need to understand, go back to Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel 38. When we look at the names of these nations, we have to understand that the names of nations change over time. Let me give you some examples of this. So Russia, it started roughly 882 A.D., but it ended, I'm sorry, it, it, the, through the USSR, USSR was established in 1917, it ceased to be a nation in 1991 and reconstituted itself. So you have Russia, then the USSR, and now Russia again. Turkey was not a nation until 1920. What, what, what are you talking about? Well, there was the Ottoman Empire, much larger than the current nation of Turkey. Iraq, anyone heard of Iraq? That became a nation in 1932. When I was going to Argentina years ago, I wanted to do some history of Argentina. There's not really any history of Argentina before the 1700s that's written. Isn't that wild when we think about history and the history of civilization, the history of the world? Here's another, Lebanon, the nation of Lebanon. 1943, it was reorganized. Now, of course, the Bible talks about Lebanon, talks about the, the cedars of Lebanon. That's what we were used to build the temple. But the nation of Lebanon, as it's constituted now, is from 1943. What about Pakistan? Pakistan's a wholly created nation. India was divided up because you had Muslims in the north and and Hindus in the south, and they displaced 375,000 Hindus to establish Pakistan, and they created that as a nation to stop the wars. Jordan. Jordan became a nation in 1946, and the purpose of Jordan and Transjordan, people talk about a two-state solution. There was a two-state solution, Israel and Jordan. That's why it was created. So what about this battle of Gog and Magog back in chapter 38? Who is Magog from Ezekiel? chapter 38. Let's look at verse 1 again of chapter 38. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And so this, you'll, you'll see again in verse, uh, later on in the passage where it talks about this. So who, who is this being spoken of? So Hesiod, he was a Greek didactic poet. So a didactic, that's a teaching poet. And he wrote in the 8th century B.C. So this is 200 years before Ezekiel. And he calls these Magogians, isn't that a good word? These Magogians, they're Scythians. Scythians. How many of you, that sounds like something from Star Wars. The Sith, okay? These Scythians. 
All right, then Herodotus, the father, the father of history, he wrote the 5th century B.C. So this is 100 years after Ezekiel was writing our book. He said that these, these Scythians existed from the 10th century B.C. through the 3rd century. So the father of history as we know it, he says these, that these Scythians are the, these people, Magog. Philo and Josephus, the famous Josephus historian in the 1st century, he called the Great Wall of China the ramparts of Gog and Magog. Why, why would he call it that? Because if you look at a map, a world map, and you look at China, you have Russia right above China. The Great Wall of China separates them. The purpose of the Great Wall of China was to stop Gog and Magog from invading China. That's kind of cool, isn't it? So these, these people groups, names of the nations change, but the regions stay the same. All right. This is a Scythian. This is a this is an actual piece of gold shaped into a Scythian. And uh, Matt, you'll you'll love this. They were they were the most fearsome archers in the world. They developed laminated bows, and they put uh, sinews in between the layers of their bows. So their bows were much more powerful than anyone else's, and they could ride on horseback. And they could shoot backwards while riding a horse at full speed. Not only that, but they wore these robes that were made of silk. And nobody knew what silk was back then. China kept that secret from everyone. But these guys had it. They had these long, flowing silk robes that would stop arrows. So you'd shoot your arrows from a weaker bow at them, and they would just keep on going. So these Scythians, they were fierce fighters, and everyone was afraid of them. That's who Gog and Magog is. What about these other nations? So look at verse 5. Look with me at verse 5 of Ezekiel 38. So who are these forces that come with Gog and Magog? Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. So who are these people that are spoken of? Well, Persia, that's Iran. This is the family of Elam, the firstborn of Shem. Remember? Shem, Ham, Japheth, the sons of Noah. We all know that we descend back to Adam, but sometimes we forget. We also descend back to Noah because that's all there was left, right? So his son Shem, his descendants are this Elam, all right? So Ethiopia, this includes Sudan. That's that section of Africa that includes Sudan. Then Libya, this is North Africa, and it would include Algeria, Tunisia, Morocco, and Mauritania. So let's look at this on a map so that we can see. Oh, Gomer. That's not Gomer Pyle. Shazam. It's, this, is, this is Turkey. Then Tugarma. This is Central Asian Muslim countries. The stands. Turkestan. Kajikistan. Right? All, all of those stands. Then Meshach and Tubal. Who's that? Well, that's, that's the Scythians. Gog, Magog, Tubal, and Meshach. This is Russia. That's who it's spoken of. All right? So now... Here's, here's a world map. I know you can't see that real well, but this area up here, this is where the Scythians were. This is where that Great Wall of China would have been over here. Let's zoom that in a little bit. And I want you to see something. When, we get any bigger than that? No. So this section right here where my cursor is, this, this is the Ethiopian highlands right here. This is called the Cushitic peoples. So, Cush, look at, keep your place here. Go, go to Genesis chapter 10. I want, to see, I want you to see something wild. 
Genesis chapter 10. So this is immediately after the flood. So these are the descendants of Ham, Shem, and Japheth. So Genesis 10, verse 1. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were the sons born after the flood. All right, so notice what it says. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, and Magog, Madai, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshech, and Tiras. So these people groups, that's, that's who he's talking about. And we're going to see in a minute where these descendants went on the globe. So the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Ripath, Togar, Togarma, and the sons of Javan, Elisha, and Tarshish, and Kittim, and Donanum. And all of these names, you see them all over these ancient maps. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided into their lands, everyone after his tongue, after their families, in their nations. Look at what it says in verse 6. And the sons of Ham, Cush, and Mizarim, and Put, and Canaan. And the sons of Cush, Seba, and Havilah, and Sabta, and Reamah, and Sabachtachah, and the sons of Reamah, Sheba, and Dedan. But look at verse 8. And Cush begat, oh, Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. And what city did he build? Verse 11, did, did uh, Nimrod build? Out of that land went forth Asher and builded Nineveh, the city of Rehoboth and Calah. So it's just amazing how all of this part of the world ties together. But this section right here, the Cushitic peoples, this Cush, this is what it's speaking of. Let's go back here. I want you to see this. When it's talking about Ethiopia, that's Cush. That's Cush. When it talks about Libya, that's Put, as we saw from Genesis chapter 10. Those are those regions. So, right here, this, you see it says the Libyans right there? This whole area was Libya. This whole area is what's being spoken of as Ethiopia. These are the nations that come together to fight against Israel with Gog and Magog. And you can see what those nations are today. There's Africa up here. This, it's listed as Libya. That's this whole section. It would be Algeria and Tunis and Libya. This whole section excluding Egypt. This, Sudan and Ethiopia and Somalia, this is Cush. These are the nations today. And man, when you read the news, it's crazy. So look at verse 14. We're, in, we're back. Go back to Ezekiel 38. What's wild is the way this is all coming in the news today. Look at what it says in verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, thus saith the Lord, in that day when my people of Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses. So all of these nations, Gog's attack, here on your slide, Gog's attack against Israel will come from all sides. Gog will come from the far north. With him will come his allies from the east, that's Persia and Iran, the south, Cush, Sudan, southern Egypt, northern Ethiopia, and west, Put, that's Libya. This is from the Bible Knowledge Commentary. So this Bible Knowledge Commentary was written in 1985. They didn't know all of these things that are going to happen. 
in 2023. And yet, these are just the names that the Bible uses. Let's go through this a little bit quicker. So this is the, the purple area there. That's Alexander the Great's empire. Notice the part that he didn't conquer. Look at this right here. That's the Scythians. You probably can't read it from where you are. That is, nope, that's the Dacians. Over here. That's the Scythians. They couldn't conquer them. Here, this area right here, this is where the Great Wall of China was, trying to keep these riders, these horsemen, from coming and conquering them. This is uh, an outline of, of Noah's sons. Over here, you have Shem's descendants in this yellow part. Up here, this is Japheth's descendants. All right, so Japheth's descendants, those are the Europeans. Shem's descendants, that's going to be the, the uh, Arabs and the Jews and the Asians. Over here, Ham's descendants, this is going to be the, this area in Africa, this continent of Africa. So these are the people groups that come from these people. I want you to see something in Congress and on campuses. This is from New York Times. This statement, from the river to the sea in flames debate, pro-Palestinian rallying cry has become a fixture of protest in the United States and was the focus of the congressional censure of Representative Rashida Tlaib. It has a fraught history. So what is it from the river to the sea? That's what the Muslims cry. We're going to run the Jews from the river into the sea. We're going to wipe them out. People in our own Congress are for this. Here's another thing from the news. This is the Iranian News International. This is from December 3rd of 2023. Sudan seeks Iranian drones amid growing regional tensions. So Iran and Sudan are united. I have another news report. I can't remember if I put it in here or not. Yeah, China, Russia, and Iran attempting to illegally acquire U.S. technology, top DHS official says. So now... Because of our stupidity with the Ukraine war, we have driven Russia and China together with Iran to be against us. And that's exactly how they come against Israel as prophesied in the book of Ezekiel. That's Iran and Bible prophecy. But I want you to see something. Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 1. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog... And say, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Look at what it says right here. Verse 2. Don't miss this. And I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. So all of these nations, even those southern nations, they come up, they unite with Russia, and they come with Iran, and they attack the nation of Israel. And what does God do? Verse 2, verse 2, And I will turn thee back, and will leave but the sixth part of thee. Five-sixths of the Muslim nations and the Russian military are destroyed at the beginning of the tribulation period when they come against Israel. How many of you recognize that as long as there's Muslim nations in the world, it's going to be impossible to have peace with Israel? There won't be any Muslim nations left strong enough to do anything about it. That's what the Bible says. So now, when we look at what's going on in Iran, now you might be here saying, boy, 
you are anti-Muslim. I'm anti-Muslims killing people. Is that fair? Did I start it with I'm anti-Christians killing people? Is that where we started? I'm against people killing people for religion. But the foundation of Christianity is not killing people. That's an abuse of Christianity. The foundation of Islam is killing Israel. It's just a difference. That's how world peace is going to be brought. And then he's going to be able to make that covenant with Israel. All of that's going to be wiped out. He can make that covenant for seven years with Israel. At the end, they come again, and that's Zechariah. And they come from all four sides against Israel. And God fights with his own sword against them. Can you imagine what that looks like? And so, when we see what's going on in Iran, and we see the foolishness of our own foreign policy driving these people together and facilitating it, I was talk- I mentioned, last- mentioned him last week, and-, and-, and I'm glad Justin took it out. We're not supposed to talk about this on the Internet because of his own safety. But our, what do you call him, our super spy in the Middle East? I talked to him this week because I was going to be preaching this. And he said this, that their churches in Sudan, they have had 15 of their churches burned in Sudan by the Muslims. And the Muslims, the, 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 this Sudanese government, they have gold mines, so they have gold. And so Russia wants their gold. And that Wagner group from Russia, these Nazis that are in Russia, how many of you know about the Wagner group? They're, they're literal Nazis from Russia that are fighting in Ukraine. They are selling the weapons to Sudan to kill the Christians. And Sudan is one of those nations that will unite with Russia to come against Israel. That, Folks, that's happening right now. And this list of nations, Russia and Iran and Turkey and Ethiopia and uh, uh, Sudan and Somalia and Libya, these nations, all of those nations have existed forever, right? We can see that. Come and go, the governments come and go, but those those people groups in those regions have existed. They have never, ever united against Israel before. And that union is happening right now. When we see what's going on in the Middle East, we need to understand none of it is taking God by surprise. And we as believers, when we see this happening, we need to know we are probably living in the end times. Now, you know my line. I guarantee you, if you were living in 1899, you thought you were living in the last days. World War I was about to happen. The war to end all wars. Boy, boy, was that a failed slogan? And yet, when we see all of these things coming together, following the revived nation of Israel, folks, the time is short. The time is short. So we need to make sure in our own government that we stay friendly with Israel, that we make sure that we are not practicing foreign policy that drives our enemies together. Are they going to unite? Are those enemies going to unite? We'd better not be a part of it. Remember, United States is not found in Bible prophecy. We are not there. Are we not there because we unite with these other nations and we're destroyed? Wouldn't that be a horrible thing? 
Wouldn't it be better to be a friend of Israel? Amen. Now, if you're saved, you're going to be gone. We don't know when this war is going to happen. The rapture could take place right after this war. Right? We don't know the timing of it. But we do know that it's coming. So, let's all stand together. It's really important that we know where we are in time. All this stuff that's going on in Iran right now, it's crazy to see that the Bible describes all of these alliances and somehow they're happening right now. Right now. The most important thing this morning is that you know for sure that heaven is your home. How many of you, you know, you died today, you're 100% sure that you're going to heaven. Amen. If you are not sure, we can take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. We don't think we're special. We just believe the Bible. The Bible tells us exactly how you can know. And I want you to know. If you're not sure, I hope that today is the day of your salvation.